Welcome to the latest edition of The Track, I'm Steve Clark. We've been focusing on what would have been the 100th birthday of the world speed record holder Donald Campbell in the last few episodes of The Track and listened to songs from the forthcoming album by Sophia Daly. Today we catch up with Sophia herself as she talks about the inspiration for her music and gives us an exclusive play of a brand new track from her forthcoming album. The historic buildings of Byfleet Fire Station are in need of rescue and the team behind Saving It recently held an open day in Byfleet Village to promote their efforts. Tim Morris was there and caught up with one of the organisers, Julian Temple, but first he speaks to Sophia about her new record. Yeah, we've used two, two songs by Sophia Daly in uh, the track in the past three months or so. And we used one of her songs in a, a special event that we put on for Donald Campbell's 100th birthday, or what would have been his 100th birthday. We've got Sophia on the line now. And I was just wondering what inspired her to actually write songs about Donald Campbell. Yeah, it, it was really, it sort of happened by going up to Coniston and, and visiting that area. I don't think anybody can be um, captivated by the power of Donald. Um, so really, it was a case that he took me and said, right, OK, we're going to write some songs here. And the inspiration that came from just going up there for five days, it completely changed my life, which is um, which is quite a it's quite a bold statement to make. And I, I don't make that lightly. Uh, I was actually writing a completely different material. Um, it was sort of comedic um, piano and voice, very sort of akin to Victoria Wood uh, sort of style. Prior to that, it, I sort of write James Bond sort of theme styles. If people sort of want to know what my style is, it's probably James Bond style. Um, and so going up to Coniston, I stopped the project I was working on um, and just had to just write. Just, you know, I didn't know where it was going and I didn't know what I was, you know, what it was going to lead to. Um, but these songs just came, and within within a week, I think I'd written Bluebird, and uh, and it was so powerful. Every time I played it, it brought back all the emotion, emotions of Coniston. Um, that I I just I just carried on. I was uh, it was great. It was just wonderful. So yeah, so the songs have been born, and and out of that is coming an album. Um, I and I say it's coming. It's the end of July. I say that uh, hesitantly, obviously, with the, with the uncertainty at the moment with the the Delta variant. Um, but that is, it's going to be scheduled for the end of July to have an eight track album, um, sort of giving a little snapshot into Donald's life. So from the start to the start to, to, to beyond the grave, effectively, because the last song is it's rather an upbeat song and it's called My Philosophy. And it's written um, from Donald's perspective of saying, you know, my life is just, you know, live life, be free. That's my philosophy. And it's an upbeat song basically saying that he's still here. He's still here in the area and uh, and he's not going anywhere soon. Were you interested in, in motor vehicles, speed records or anything prior to going to Lake District on that occasion? Yeah, I've always had, um, I sort of had an interest um, in, in motor vehicles. Um, we own an Atom here, but that's obviously a very modern, uh, an aerial Atom. So we like to have a bit of fun and we have an old VXR uh, 220. I say old, it's not it's not really that old, but it's old to the modern generation. Um, but sort of quirky cars and just just you know, just the, the excitement that that brings. Um, but I suppose for Donald and for the for the Bluebird story, it's something that's sort of entwined in 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 our sort of heritage, I suppose. I suppose we just sort of know that it happened and it's it sort of brought it all back effectively. It's like something that you know, it's a story that I think that we we all sort of know parts of. 
Yes, um, I mean, the Campbells are part of the national consciousness, particularly with Brooklands. We had uh, Sir Malcolm Campbell, obviously, was a very big part of the Brooklyn scene. And um, Donald was there as well, but he was only a young lad. Um, so he would come along to Brooklands with his dad and when his dad was racing there and obviously accompanied him on the, the world speed record attempts at some of those as well. Um, I was just wondering, though, there are there are members of the Campbell family around. Have, have you met modern members of the family? Yes, yes, I've, it's it's lovely. I've become some good good friends. I'd like to have become some good friends with Gina. Um, she's a wonderful inspiration, I think, to to many and and to women, obviously, with her own records. Um, and Don as well, great, you know. And he's actually been part of this album too, because we're going to be, fingers crossed, going to be doing the photo shoot, which will form part of the album artwork. Um, so it, it's nice to be able to work closely with the family because. Because it is it's part of them and, it, and it, it is the emotion that it brings. And yeah, they, they have to be part of the album and vice versa, because it's we're sort of working to, well for one team, to quote the sort of thing Donald would say, we're working for, for one team. Um, but yeah, great family and great inspiration, they both are. You've written, is it eight songs for the mini album? That, that's right. Yeah, eight, eight tracks, obviously, for his eight record set. Um, and then further on from that into the future is that I'm working on a musical for Donald, which will go into more depth um, of, of his life. Starting, It starts from the beginning of when he, he was at his father's bedside, as you know, on the 31st of December, three minutes to midnight. Um, and his father uh, sadly passes away. And then Donald is sort of opened up with, well, this has left a big hole. What do we do? And then the next song will come in with the uh, Kaiser, which obviously because he hears um, obviously about Kaiser and because uh, he was talking to Goldie Gardner, wasn't he? Who used to race with uh, Sir Malcolm there with you at Brooklyn's. Um, so then it sort of it sort of starts up this story. This is how it all begins. But the album itself is going to be a sort of mini um, mini form of the musical, if that makes sense. So you sort of get little snapshots uh, in the album within. It's only a sort of a half an hour album. Um, but it will give you a sort of little insight into Donald's life. So it's sort of, it's it's more than just uh, songs about a person. It is it is songs sort of involving him and coming from his perspective too. Well, that's it. One of the songs is about uh, back in the days at Brooklyn's when he's uh, been working every hour with with Leo with the Rolls Royce engine on the bench. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been, there's some there's some good fun songs in there. So. Um, I was just wondering about yourself. Have Have you always been a musician and a singer? Um, I've always I've always been composing since I was a young age. My my mother was the musician. My father was the artist. My mother was a traditional musician, so everything that was on the page she would play very sort of you know precisely. And my father was more flamboyant, and uh, he was in the early incarn uh, incarnation of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, which I'm sure we as some of us will remember. Um, and so he he played with them as they were they were balmy art students back then in the 60s. Uh, so for me, I sort of think when I was born, I, I create, I, I inherited the creative side. So I've got the musical of my mother, but the the artist sort of the flamboyancy of my father, uh, and therefore they create the songs effectively. Um, I then obviously had to get a proper job, so I spent about 19 years being a funeral director of all things, which I know really tickles Gina. She finds that hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm her undertaker friend, you know, um, but it, it was a good, it was a good, uh, it, it was a very good career. It was very um, rewarding um, and it was more than a job, you know, so it took a lot of my time uh, being on call 
seven days a week as I was. So, so you don't have any time to sort of switch off and have a separate life. Um, you certainly couldn't sort of go off and sort of do the piano playing, in, you know, in the local club or whatever. And then somebody says, oh, did, did you bury my mother? You know, you can't have that double life. Um, so I, I sort of put my career on side, my musical career on side. Um, I did that in the sort of quietness of my own home. Um, but I always had that dream that, that one day I would leave the funeral business and um, and go into doing the, the music, which is effectively what I did about five years ago. Um, I left where I used to live, which was down in the Cotswolds, moved up uh, to Leicestershire and just threw myself into it completely um, and started writing. My first album was Closure, which was uh, very much sort of James Bond style song music. And um, that, that's what I like. I like that sort of nostalgia, that sort of, yeah. Again, that's with all the fast cars and we all love James Bond. So it was, uh, but I wasn't chosen for this James Bond movie, sadly. I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> Uh, the video for your song, Bluebird, did you create that or was that a production company? It, it was, it was very, yeah, very moving because um, Gina had said to me, look, why don't you come up? We're going to be um, meeting on the 4th and come and sing your song because she'd heard the song just before it come out. Um, and I said, well, that would be lovely, a real honour to come up. She said, yeah, absolutely, come up and see us and, you know, come to the museum. And uh so I, and I said, well, well, look, what we'll do is we'll probably do a bit of a video footage on the day. She said, fantastic. You know, so we got a video team. It, it was literally thought up within a few weeks as these things often happen. You know, the best things are never the ones that have been long thought out. And my mo most important purpose, you know, I said, said to the video team, you want to be in the background because this is about a real event. Um, they obviously they'd met Gina and everything else they, they were great and they stood in the background and it, it looks to, to the outside world who don't know about it they think it was all staged they think it was all um, you know that we were told to stand there and I was to hug Gina and, and but none of that was staged at all it was all completely natural um, you know when the, when the song was playing in the museum um, there were people were obviously quite emotional about it with the song and you know the situation and then Gina just came up and we hugged and it was it was it was a well very powerful. So for people like you that know that wasn't staged, you can sort of see the the you know the emotion in that. Um, but yeah, it, it was lovely. But it was very. Yeah, I certainly came across. Uh, I say it was a very powerful ending as well when you, you walk up and put the the lone flower on Donald's grave. Yes, that's um, that was indeed. And we started filming I think at seven thirty in the morning because they wanted to get the first light. I, I also wanted to be there on the lake at the time of the event. Um, and obviously when it happened with Donald, and it was bizarre because at that moment, at that minute that the accident, the crash happened, the wind picked up and you could sort of see it on the video, but even the film crew said, this is, this is, this is strange. You know, it was, it was such a sort of stopping moment. Um, at that particular moment in the song, the wind comes up and my coat sort of, flies open you know it, it was just a very very strange atmosphere um very powerful um you know so the whole video was was great and it just came together just just naturally came together as, as and it was for a tribute for him which was lovely you know yeah absolutely and you can see that video on your youtube channel now yes yes you can it's, it's there on the youtube channel so if any listeners wanted to buy the Donald Campbell record when it comes out, how would they do that? OK, they can head, first of all, to my website, which will give them all the links. So if they prefer Twitter or Instagram or anything like that, if they go through the website, which is www.sophiadady.com, 
um, they can purchase anything through that. So if they like a physical copy of the CD, which a lot of people do, um, because the artwork, I've, I've drawn, hand-drawn all the artwork as well on that. Um, and we're going to be um, getting prints made up of the artwork because some people have said, oh, I'd love to purchase the artwork on the CD cover. And, and so they can also do that. Um, so, yes, my, my website is probably the best place to head to with all the news. OK, we're looking forward to the release and uh, good luck with that. And now we present a, a new song from Sophia. It's called 4AM and it's about Donald's world land speed record attempt and Lake Eyre in Australia in 1964. 4am, put on your clothes Close the door behind these damp, dark walls The rain has passed, it takes its toll And now the time is right, he knows Deep in his soul
Julian Temple was the former aviation curator and heritage manager at Brooklyn's Museum and he's now involved with the Byfleet Fire Station Trust. Tim Morris caught up with him at the recent fun day in Old Byfleet Village. Okay, it's a lovely sunny day. We're down in Byfleet and today is the Byfleet Fire Station open day. You may not know that uh, Byfleet has a fire station, but I'm here with Julian Temple, who's one of the organisers of the day. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Byfleet Fire Station? Uh, yeah, where to, where to start? Um, yeah, it's a big it's a big subject, um, very close to my heart. I've lived in Byfleet for 15 years, although not for much longer. But equally, um, I've been involved in trying to save the fire station and get it back into some kind of community use for the village since I first moved here in 20, 2006 and there was a demolition order about to happen with the building um, but we managed to get, get it uh, saved from that and get it listed in 2008 and since then with the Biofit Heritage Society in particular we've been fighting a, a, a campaign to get the building rescued from its owners Surrey County Council who've got no funds to maintain it and haven't had any idea for a use of it since the, uh, the mid-2000s um, it closed as a fire station in 1963 or thereabouts. Um, it was probably mainly used for storage at the very last time. Um, and then for about 50 years it was used by the um, Woken Adventure Group and they stored diving equipment and other adventure group equipment. Um, but spent absolutely minimal on the building. So there's several roof leaks that have been patched up and uh, then occurred again. There's walls and windows that have been, uh, doors and windows have been bricked up. Uh, without a thought for its sort of heritage so um, the fact it's now listed means we can try and put some of that back and uh, get the building looking back as it was in its heyday but to go right back to history it started in 1885 um, with a local um, wealthy benefactor who gave the land for it he lived in uh, what was Petersham the place uh, which had a farm as well as big grounds just over the road from from us in High, High Road in Byfleet um, he was Sir John Whitaker Ellis and became the uh, Lord Mayor of London at one point. Um, but he had a little fire on his land, got some of his gardeners to extinguish it, provided them then with some uh, basic uh, ancient firefighting equipment, probably from the 18th century. And after that, then the idea of a volunteer fire brigade started. And this was then funded, I think, by some other uh, fundraisers in the village in 1885 to get the, it's the basic building for a horse-drawn fire engine. Um, and then by... Uh, they replaced that with a steam fire engine in the um, sort of in a hand pump originally, just um, probably uh, not even horse drawn the first one. Sorry. Um, and then the uh, steam there was a Monarch steam pump from about 1908, um, and then they replaced that finally after the First World War in the early 20s and got a Dennis, a brand new Dennis fire engine from Guildford. Um, I can't remember the cost of the building. They had to extend the building because it was too narrow to put the fire engine in and um, I think the fire engine cost about £7,000 in the 1920s, huge amount of money and they had a huge amount of, of again fundraising in the village so that was uh, by that time it was run by the, the fire service was run by the I think the parish council that extended to take in West Byfleet and Perford to cover those three areas and of course Brooklyn's had um, got going by that time <clears throat> and um, yeah there were incidents and accidents and fires and things that uh, needed dealing with so there was a Weybridge fire brigade with a similar size building in uh, which is now demolished sadly in Weybridge and they covered the northern end of Brooklyn's in theory and Weybridge covered the southern end so if you like the motoring village was covered by Weybridge fire brigade and uh, the aviation village southern Byfleet end was, was the Byfleet fire brigade um, and I think there, there was a number of incidents at Brooklyn's that involved them the bombing of Brooklyn's in 1940 of course I imagine both fire brigades such as they were at the time would have would have helped with that and the aftermath of it 
although I do believe I've heard rumours the um, the main engine from Byfleet might have been taken to Coventry um, around that time for the um, Coventry Blitz followed that so I'm not quite sure how uh, everything was all a massive national crisis of course then um, but yeah there's a huge story to be told there's lots of people in the village who've still got you know, relatives who um, or descendants of theirs who were um, connected with the, the fire brigade and this is like uh, Brooklands itself really a lot of local people here would have worked at Brooklands and you have the same sort of thing with the fire service too yeah, yeah. Um, and I gather that Hugh Lock King was uh, in charge of the the Waybridge one did he have any influence over the Byfleet one at all well to be honest he might have actually helped put some money up to to build the first fire station here I'm not totally sure because he um he owned land obviously near Byfleet as well Stoop of, of West Hall in Byfleet was another wealthy it was an oil magnate and put money into things like the village hall yeah I know there's a huge amount of, of local connections um, some of the firemen they were volunteers a lot of them and they also had jobs at Vickers or even Hawkers I guess um, sadly all the even the guys who worked here as firemen in the 50s I don't think any of them are now alive ten years ago we still had about four of them mostly living in the village we were able to do oral history interviews with them and get more information from them so um, that's great and today we've got a, an open day in the village itself but uh, they're, they're a little bit separate I think from the the fire station well yeah it's not I'll stress it's not a fire station open day uh, it's a promotional event about the Byfleet Fire Station Trust which we're involved in forming uh, in the last few months and this is our last um, opportunity to save the fire station for the community um, when of course after the Second World War the National Fire Service took over all the local authority controlled fire stations and services during the war. Um, National Fire Service then was disbanded in 1948 and the local authority, the county authorities then took over the fire stations in their area so this became Surrey Fire Brigade or Surrey County Council's Fire Brigade and responsibilities. so they carried on using it after the war. Um, so they did. They, knew they were going to build a brand new fire station up in Oyster Lane just before the war, but that got uh, put on hold, obviously, because of the national emergency. Um, so this was by then too out of date, if you like, to keep going. More modern ones like Paynes Hill and Walton and so on had had new service, new stations built. It's not an open day as such, because we're uh, we did have permission from Surrey County Council. We formed our Friends of Byfleet Fire Station in uh, 2007, and. Uh, we had open days and period of consultation, we had surveys done, we had some essential repairs funded by local grants and when I was working at the museum we got some grants through um, through that from Woking Borough Council as well to help with it. Uh, the Merriweather Fire Engine at the museum has been on display here for some of the, we used to have about six open days a year here as far as we could. Uh, that had to stop in 2014 when there's some structural cracks in the roof which I'm not sure personally they were actually getting much worse but certainly we had to then report them to the owners who said well in that case you can't have any more open days you've got to keep out of the building handing the keys and then they did nothing about it until uh, we started last well we had several other false starts of other organizations saying it's all right we're going to save the building and turn it into whatever there was uh, particularly an effort a couple of years ago from Surrey County Council's own fire heritage section over in Rygate their headquarters site of the fire brigade there was about to be sold and has now been sold I think so um but this building wouldn't have taken their collection and only last April in 2020, beginning of the lockdown, they said, oh no, we've given up that plan and particularly by then our local councillor and some others new to the project said, well, this is still then a, a great opportunity, we should try and save it for the village and we've had discussions and getting more and more, um, you know, progress and positive feedback on taking on the building ourselves but 
it's not an easy thing we've got to obviously spend a lot of money on if we if we were given the building tomorrow we'd immediately have the liability of insurance and um some uh, essential repairs that need to be done before anything else the council yeah. have never had money to do that so therefore uh, we've got to raise money uh to buy the building and to um, do the repairs and today's event is a promotional event to launch effectively the, the trust to a wider world and say that uh, we're also trying to get some grants uh, we've got a big application in at the moment hopefully to give us the money to buy the building and do some of the repairs um that will then get it off the council's books into our own control we can't actually do much even with fundraising without having at least a lease on the building and they recognize that so um um, and there's all kinds of other opportunities once we've got that kind of foothold on it. What sort of opportunities are you talking about there? Um, I mean, presuming it all goes well and you do manage to save it and get the lease, what, what would be your future plans for it? Um, we want to we want to call it the Byfleet Community Hub. We want to bring it into community use and as many different activities that we can have in there as, as possible. If we can get some grants that would subsidise some activities, let's say there's things that might we might do... Uh, um, things that would be good for training young people in engineering, heritage, that kind of things, for example, could be done in one half of the building. We could have exhibition space, we could have an art exhibition and a cafe corner in one part as well. Um, we've got all kinds of other ideas, even just there's a, there's a shortage of some venues in the village or some, some activities have lack of venues. Um, things like yoga and Pilates courses, there isn't enough venues for them. So we believe there's someone who would probably hire part of the building on a regular basis for us. And again, the money we've got to bring in will then be ploughed back into keeping the building in good shape and, uh, and doing any further restoration. So it's a, it's a, it's a big uh, project. Um, it's an ambitious one as well, admittedly, but um, if we don't, and the other option will be later in the year, the council will put it up for public auction and most likely I think a developer will try and buy it and just say, well, we'll keep the facade, the rest of it's no good and... Uh, maybe they'll get permission to build a, a very small um, office or something behind it. I don't think it's really suitable for much else. There's no big curtilage to it or parking area. Um, it wouldn't get permission for a residential use, I think, even even with the wildest grand design type idea. Um, and we would be opposed to that kind of thing anyway. Because at the end of the day, personally, I don't think, I'm not bothered what kind of community use it has, or as long as the public can actually not only walk past and see it from the outside, but can actually go inside for some activities, see um, a bit about the history of the building on the on the walls, and then maybe a, you know, it won't be a museum, but at least have a, a heritage flavour to whatever happens. No, and it'll be getting a, a modern use for yeah. it as well, which would be nice to see. I look yeah. forward to having my first cup of coffee in here when yeah. it all happens. Right. Um, is there a way for the local people, the local public, to get involved with it? There's certainly a lot being done by. We've got a small number of people as uh, as the embryonic fire station trust, and uh, there's a Facebook page, and there's um, a website information. Uh, what else are they doing? Twitter as well. So yeah, I think uh, there's there's um, save our fire station. I think is one of the hashtags we've got. Um, but yeah, just just go by the fire station trust, Google it, and you should find something that way. Okay, lovely. Thanks very much, Julian. Okay, you're welcome. Brooklyn's news. With the extension of the COVID restrictions, it's meant that several of the events that were due to take place in July have had to be moved. Uh, So this means that the uh, Brooklyn's Motorcycle Show is now on Sunday the 15th of August and the Italian Car Day has been moved all the way back to Sunday the 10th of October. We do hope that the season will truly begin then on the 1st of August with the Members Jumble and Classic Car Show 
that will be followed by the Brooklands Relift event, which is celebrating the 95th anniversary of the British Grand Prix on the 7th of August. Uh, we've already mentioned the motorcycle show on the 15th, and then there'll be a summer classic gathering on the 22nd of August. And from there, the season will continue into September when there will be a, a very special event that celebrates the life of Sir Sterling Moss with many of the cars that he has actually driven on display at the track. To find more about the museum's events, go to www.brooklandsmuseum.com.